0: It may not have been the most popular Star Trek spin-off series, but my goodness did Star Trek Enterprise have a lot of intrigue. With that in mind, I am Sean Ferrick for Trek Culture, and here are 10 things you never knew about Enterprise. Number 10, dropping Star Trek from the title backfired. A lot of thought went into the actual rollout of Enterprise. Brano Braga and Rick Berman were very conscious of the oversaturation that Star Trek was ironically enjoying at the beginning of the 21st century, with Voyager coming to an end and the Next Generation movies still in production. While there were, at one point, talks about having Season 1 of Enterprise run concurrently with Season 7 of Voyager, they ultimately opted for a gap in broadcasting. Star Trek was dropped from the name of the show, with the producers opting instead to go with just Enterprise. There were two reasons for this, first, Rick Berman explained if there was one word that was instantly recognizable to all Star Trek fans it was Enterprise. Second, leaving Star Trek off the name of the show might encourage new fans to try the series, rather than simply relying on returning Trekkies. The gamble didn't pay off, and the numbers were mostly quite low for the first two seasons. In fact, when approaching the end of the second season, the existing fans were bracing themselves for cancellation. A letter-writing campaign saved the show, though Paramount insisted on a few changes. First, there was to be the addition of much more action, which resulted in the Zindi arc. Second, Star Trek had to be inserted into the name of the show. in the hope that fans of the franchise would come back and boost the ratings this bought the show two more seasons number nine tom hardy and linda park were an item while filming In 2003, Hoshi actress Linda Park began a relationship with a little-known English actor named Tom Hardy. He had recently appeared as Shinzon in Star Trek Nemesis, and even more recently, split from his ex-wife Marlena. The failure of Star Trek Nemesis at the box office had sent Hardy into a spiral of personal issues, ending his marriage and landing him in rehab for drug and alcohol addictions. By the time he and Park began dating, it successfully recovered. At one time, they were due to establish their own theatre company while they lived together in South London, although this never ended up materialising. They did appear together in a two-day production of Bret C. Leonard's play Roger and Vanessa, which Park co-produced. This would end up being the only common work between the pair. They separated a short time later, before the end of Star Trek Enterprise. Hardy remained in England while Park returned to the United States and began residing in Los Angeles. Number 8. Kirk, Spock and McCoy are in the pilot. Admiral Maxwell Forrest was named after DeForest Kelly, the actor who played Dr. McCoy in the original series and the original series movies. He was the first of the trio to pass away, having succumbed to stomach cancer in 1999. However, he is not the only member of Star Trek's famous trio to appear in Enterprise. In fact, in the pilot episode Broken Bow, Bones, Spock and Kirk all received tributes. Alongside Admiral Forrest, there's two other Starfleet personnel present at the examination of the Klingon who'd made his way to Earth. Standing in the room are Admiral Leonard, played by Jim Beaver, and Commander Williams played by Jim Fitzpatrick. DeForest Kelly, Leonard Nimoy and William Shatner are Star Trek's original thruple, with all three of them being recognized here. The fact that of the three, Kirk's actor's namesake receives the lowest rank may have been a bit of cheeky shade thrown at Shatner as well, who was very well known for doing his best to receive the lion's share of the limelight while filming Star Trek. Number 7. Tipau was originally going to be on the ship full time. Ronan Braga and Rick Berman felt that the lower ratings of both Star Trek Deep Space 9 and Star Trek Voyager had been the result of those shows being less character driven than the original series and the next generation, so Enterprise was intended to showcase its cast front and centre. It was also decided that it needed to be linked to the franchise as closely as possible, so T'Pau was going to be the first officer of the ship. T'Pau had previously appeared in the original series episode "A Amok Time, played by Celia Lovsky. It was she who presided over Spock's Pond and supposed battle to the death with Kirk, she was, at the time, considered one of the most revered Vulcans of all time. Having her appear as a younger version of herself would certainly have linked the series, but there were those on the writing team who felt it might be a bit too much. T'Pau became T'Pol, though the character would later go on to appear in the fourth season serial The Forge, Awakening and Kirshara, this time played by Kara Zedeker. Number 6. Archer's name was chosen to avoid a lawsuit. Scott Bakula's Captain Archer was originally going to be called Jeffrey Archer. It's possible that this was intended to be a tribute to Jeffrey Hunter, the original actor to play Captain Pike in the first pilot of Star Trek The Cage. While American audiences saw no issue with this, UK fans were quick to point out that there already was a Jeffrey Archer out there and the producers may not like the comparisons drawn between them. Jeffrey Archer is the former UK politician and peer of the House of Lords who was found guilty of perjury and sentenced to four years in prison for perverting the course of justice. Once producers learned of this, they hastily rewrote the character to be named Jackson Archer. Then, another issue arose. There was exactly one Jackson Archer living in the United States. In the end, to avoid any potential lawsuits or embarrassing comparisons, Archer's first name was officially changed to Jonathan. The producers did a check and there were 20 Jonathan Archers living in the United States. So they reckoned that with that many out there, none of them were likely to sue.
2: Let's get this dinner party started.
0: Number 5. A Failed Audition Won Dominic Keating the Role of Malcolm Reed Two years before Enterprise began production, a young actor named Dominic Keating walked onto the Paramount lot. He had been called to audition for Star Trek Voyager, of which Rick Berman and Branham Braga were very much a part. He read his lines, thanked them both, and went on his way. He was not offered the role in Voyager and that could have been the end of that story, only it wasn't. Braga knew instantly that there was a role that would suit the English actor perfectly, it just wasn't on this version of Star Trek. Keating was invited back again when Enterprise was in the early stages of casting. This time, he got the role almost on the spot. In fact, he and John Billingsley were among the first to be cast in Enterprise, Anthony Montgomery had similarly auditioned for Voyager for the part of Tuvok's son, though he also hadn't got the role. Keating and Montgomery are both fine examples of, when the casting director says they'll keep your TV on file, sometimes they actually do mean it. Number four, Starfleet Academy was never on the cards. For nearly 40 years, there have been rumours of a Starfleet Academy television series. This goes back to Harv Bennett's time as producer on the series. At one point, there was a proposed spin-off while the original series films were still in production. Then, a draft of the script of Star Trek VI The Undiscovered Country featured flashbacks to the Academy, with Bennett confirming preliminary offers had been sent to Ethan Hawke to appear as Kirk and John Cusack to appear as Spock. This version of the script came to nothing, and actually led to Bennett's departure from Paramount. However, the idea of a prequel never went away, it would be revisited in JJ Abrams 2009 Star Trek film, though the similarities between Bennett's version and his own were purely surface deep. Berman and Braga however categorically denied that their prequel would have anything to do with this idea, even though Bennett was still trying to get his story made. In the case of one prequel beating out another, Enterprise got the green light and the Academy series was put on the shelf. Harv Bennett died in 2015, putting a final full stop on the dream of this series. Number three, the writers tried to find a way for William Shatner to appear. Throughout all four years of Enterprise's lifespan, rumours persisted that William Shatner was being sought for a role. This was often denied by producers, though for one reason or another, the idea of a cameo simply would not fade away. When it came to the fourth season of the show, Judith and Garfield Reeve Stevens, a writing married couple who had authored several Trek novels together, had been brought on board by Mani Koto. They pitched the idea that the Tantalus Field, the device originally shown in Mirror Mirror, was in fact not a killer weapon, instead it sent its victims back into the far past. That way, they pitched, William Shatner could return to the franchise playing his mirror counterpart. They sent this idea to Rick Berman of Brannon and Braga, though the executive producers had other ideas. They wanted to have Shatner appear a chef. The off discussed but never seen Cook aboard Enterprise. He would be brought into the future by crewman Daniels, the temporal agent, and tasked with impersonating Kirk. None of the parties concerned could settle on an idea before the show was cancelled midway through the fourth season. Number 2. There is a myth that the ninth Doctor was going to appear on the show. During production of The End of Time, Russell T Davies and David Tennant's final offering as a pair on Doctor Who, the former showrunner was interviewed about his time on the series. He was specifically asked if there was anything he didn't get to do that he later regretted. I would have loved to have done a Star Trek crossover. The very first year we talked about it, then Star Trek finally went off air. Landing the TARDIS on board the Enterprise would have been magnificent. Can you imagine what their script department would have wanted, and what I would have wanted? It would have been the biggest battle. This led fans into a craze, wondering if there had ever been plans for Christopher Eccleston to appear on the bridge of the Enterprise. However, Davies later clarified that the we in the quote was Somewhat out of context, the Wii he was referring to was all in-house writing staff, i.e. in the BBC and most definitely not on the Paramount lot. That meant that, despite how cool it would have been to hear one of the most familiar sounds in all of sci-fi appearing on the bridge, this was simply the whim of Davies, breaking the hearts of every fan who wanted a crossover. Number 1 There was talks of an animated movie spin-off Although Star Trek Enterprise was cancelled definitively while the fourth season was still shooting, showrunner Manny Cotto did not altogether give up hope. He had begun to outline plans for a fifth season, one of which would have seen Enterprise undergo a huge refit to add an additional Star Drive section. However, in a case of bizarre serendipity, one of Koto's plans coincided with the idea of writer Jimmy Diggs. Koto's idea formed the basis of Kilkenny Cats, his proposed episode that would feature the return of Larry Niven's aliens The Kazinti. These feline warriors had previously appeared in the animated series, but they would not been seen in the franchise since. Diggs' idea was for a CGI film named Star Trek Lions of the Night, which would see Captain Hikaru Sulu command the Enterprise, attempting to prevent a Kizinti invasion of the Federation. Koto hired Diggs to join the writing team, with both men combining elements of each script, which would be officially titled Kilkenny Cats. Artist Josh Finney designed the Kazinti warship, but alas, none of these plans ever bore fruit.